It's a brave man who will actually write a book about being a dad who is a dad. He's got three teenage sons, and he writes a book about the dad difference. Brian Loritz is that brave man. And he's a man of God who wanted to, as he said, have a North Star, provide a North Star for us to look at and say, hey, here's where we need to head as dads. Too many times uh, fathers really get hammered about things we do wrong. And so what, uh, what Dr. Loritz wanted to put out was here's some things that are done right. And so uh, it's, it's going to be a great interview here on uh, Brave Men today. I want to remind us that Christian Men's Network, cmn.men, is uh, what underwrites the Brave Men podcast. And every year, the first weekend of November, we meet as a crew of men. It was from around the world, but of course, recently with all these pandemic things, that's narrowed it to uh, somewhat central in uh, North America. And so uh, we meet in Dallas, November 4, 5, and 6, November 4, 5, 6, for the Global Summit on Christian Manhood, Biblical Masculinity. So I'm excited about it. A lot of great guests this, uh, this year, and that's 2021, November 4, 5, 6. We meet at Create Church in Dallas. Should be tremendous. Uh, with me is uh, Chris Shields, our producer. And uh, you've been now to a couple of these, two or three? Global Summit, yeah. Global Summits? I think it's three now. Yeah. Or this will be my fourth one. This will be your fourth one? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow, you've mm -hmm. been around for a while, man. Yeah, hopefully I stay a little yeah, bit longer. Okay, yeah. And the first ones you came with uh, Dr. Jim Garlow, right? No. The first one? Who'd uh -uh. you come with the first time? You invited me. I invited you? Yeah. Really? You don't remember? Yeah, well, it's indelibly implanted somewhere in my brain. Hard to retrieve. Okay, so I invited you, but you were with, were you, did I meet you? I met you with Jim. No. Oh, we were, yes. Yeah. Originally, you met me with Jim, yeah. Pastor Jim. Yeah. Right. That's where we first met. Yes. You were with him. Yes, in Atlanta. And we met in Atlanta at Bishop Eddie Long's church no, facility. No, Bishop Dale Bronner's church. It was at Dale Bronner's, Bishop Dale Bronner's church. Pastor Eddie Long was there at that Yes, summer. sir. Okay, now I got it. I yes, got sir. it centered in now. Yes, sir. And uh, so Brian Loritz has uh, written this book on the dad difference. And uh, this is a fascinating deal. So the... Um, the Global Summit, when we talk about the Global Summit, it really impacted you and your dad. Yes, it really has. Right? Yes, it um, has brought us a way closer than we were. I mean, we were close, but yeah. this has been, you know, it has opened us up. Mm. I would say it like that. Yeah. There's more um, transparency. Yeah, communication. Yeah, communication. And wow. it's funny looking, you know, thinking about this book, you know, that Dr. Brian Loritz wrote and the acronym, you know, uh, right. That's what he right. ca calls it. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Yeah. But it stands for relationship, integrity, teaching and experiences, mm -hmm. you know, and that has been what I would say has helped us. Those four principles have increased in our uh, from the dad. global summit. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. going through the curriculum. So that's November four, five and six. Yeah. And your dad and you were commissioned. Yes. At the last one. Yes. It was kind of mostly online. Somewhat people were there, but you guys were there. That was a tremendous time. Yep. And this one's going to be in person and and online. Uh, the in-person, again, limited seating in order to get everybody in there, you know, do it safely and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but the dad difference, man, yeah. you guys, you've seen that in your own life. Yeah, and it's something we're still walking out. You know, it gets better every day. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Don't you think there's an ebb and a flow, though? What? Better every day? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Or good days and bad days. Well, good. And good. then better over time. Well, yeah. But I mean, I say that's the same thing, right? <laughs> that's the same thing. Yeah, okay. 
you yeah, know? I'll like, give you that. Yeah, it gets I'll better every day. One. I mean, in the good days and in the bad days, it's still getting better. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm good with that. Yeah, I'll give you that one, Chris. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Your Lakers lost, so oh. I got to do something. My Mavericks lost. Yeah, you know, that's the way it goes. You know, but Crawford, uh, Loritz is Brian Loritz's dad, and a lot of people would know him from a lot of his speaking and writing. Yeah. And in Dr. Brian Loritz, his, his uh, books are really powerful. He's, he is a, he's a really deep thinker. Yeah. So when he's thought about these things, like even his answers on this uh, interview, a real, um, real thoughtful, like he's thought about these things. I love that. Yeah. You know, powerful. And then uh, he, and he talks about his dad in the book. And, uh, in fact, his dad would have, had, by the time this show's on, from the time we interviewed to the time it's on, they've been married 50 years. Wow. So uh, he learned a lot. And it's a, I love this uh, illustration he gave in the book about East. He talked about, um, he talked about dads that are uh, tailwind or headwind. Mm-hmm. And a tailwind is like, because he talks about flying from West Coast to East Coast. And a tailwind is when, when there's a, like some momentum given to you. Mm. Like there's a tailwind dad, like whew, helps you with your life. Headwind dad is what kind of holds you back. And he's got a lot of illustrations like this in the book. So I'm thrilled to have uh, Brian Loritz uh, today on Brave Men talking about the dad difference. And remember, um, again, the CMN.men Global Summit, you know, that we're talking about that, that uh, helped you and your dad. Yeah. Chris, really been a blessing to you guys. November four, five, and six here in Dallas, and uh, looking forward to uh, looking forward to this time with uh, Brian Loritz. This will, this is going to be great. You guys are going to enjoy this. You're going to enjoy this interview today with uh, Brian Loritz, the Dad Difference today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Speaking right now with Brian Loritz in conversation, and we're going to talk about the dad difference. It really comes out of your personal life, and then also not only from a father who you talk about in the book, but also you are a father. And now you've had the opportunity to counsel many people because you're a pastor at a church there in North Carolina, Raleigh, the Summit Church. So, Brian, thanks for being with me, man. Well, Paul, thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, the dad difference. Uh, four things that every man needs to know. And frankly, most guys don't know. I think if, if anything, uh, Brian, if we look back at the last few months of where we're you know, taping this right now, I would have to agree with a couple of commentators who said what we're looking at is a fatherless generation. And um, so the dad difference means everything, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, sociologists, um, and I would even say secular sociologists, have been saying for years that there's a link between the home and society. Um, and so the family is just wildly important uh, for the health and flourishing of society. However, um, you know, I think I would push back uh, on anyone who would suggest that all of our problems are just in the family. You know, right. when I look at when I look at the scriptures, God has created three institutions for the benefit of society, and it's the family, government, and church. And I think all three of those need to be moving lockstep. So, yes, um, you know, y- y- if we can get fathers to step up and to lead well in their homes, that's a huge, huge benefit. Um, but it's not going to end police brutality in and of itself. 
Well, so we, we need no serious reform. Yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, you know, I guess my thing is, is that when I look in general at culture and people making decisions based on wisdom or integrity or these uh, basic fundamentals of what makes things work, uh, when we're not making them based on that, we're, we're just shifting. In other words, there's no moral clarity, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure, we're, we are not, it's, you know, it's interesting. I think it's a book of judges that ends with each man did what was right in his own eyes. And that is a perfect summary of what's going on in our world today with rampant individualism, this idea of pluralism, relativism, uh, truth like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. We are not operating off of any kind of a similar playbook. And uh, that, that's a problem. So in writing uh, The Dad Difference, uh, to what end? In other words, what audience were you hoping to hit? I mean, fathers in general, right? Millions of kids born every month worldwide. But what specifically, what was the outcome that you were looking for? Well, I just, I just wanted to equip and inspire um, men uh, to just step up and, and to be the great fathers that we know that we can be. So this is not a, um, you know, there's plenty of books out there that uh, do a lot of finger pointing and, and point out all the wrong stuff that, um, that actually beat men down. I wanted something that was going to inspire men, give them some sort of a North Star as founded in the scriptures in a, in a very easy, memorable fashion. So I use the acronym of right, fathering right, R-I-T-E, to just talk about what those four gifts uh, that every dad just needs to give to their child. So it's relationships, it's integrity, it's teaching, it's experiences. And uh, those four simple things, I think if we can intentionally devote ourselves to them, will pay huge benefits uh, in the life of our kids. However, I am quick to say in the book that this is not a formula. In other words, you right. cannot manufacture great kids, right? Uh, it's sort of like you can eat healthy and exercise all you want and still die at a young age. Uh, however, uh, eating healthy, exercising well, um, expands the possibilities of long life. So it is with, with these principles. You know, these principles in and of itself does not guarantee great or godly kids. However, if you dedicate yourself to them and you impart them in the life of your kids, it does expand the possibilities. So, so now you've just messed me up because as a uh, 21st century parent, uh, making sure that no harm comes to my kid, that there's no disease or germs around them, uh, I must, I've got to have a formula that makes everything work. Right, right. And you're going to turn out perfect because of it. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a lot of tension right there, isn't there? Uh, yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, listen, um, if you've looked at God's kids lately, you know, God is the best father there is, but he still has some jacked up kids. <laughs> and, and we have something called free will and sin natures. And, um, you know, you, you, you do the best you can. Uh, my, my dad, one of his favorite quotes, one of my favorite quotes of my dad is, we parents tend to take too much credit when our kids turn out right and too much blame when they don't. And uh, we do the best we can, knowing we'll blow it, uh, asking for grace to fill in those gaps and leaving the results truly up to God. So when you came up with this, which, which I love, relationship, integrity, teaching and experiences, 
how much of that as you wrote this because this book just came out as we're talking as as you wrote this how much of this did you look at it and go dang it man i should have i should have my second boy you know you've got three sons i should have done a little more here and maybe i will did, did some of this kind of help tweak as you i mean writing a book's a process uh, yeah, so there's there's theory and there's reality, right? So, um, and I was telling I was telling my dad the other day, it feels like that right when my youngest is going to leave the house is right when I'll figure this parenting thing out. Yeah, you know, uh, and I, I just think that's that's just all of us. Like none yeah. of us bats a thousand in this department. We're flawed people by nature. We're going yeah. to blow it. We're going to mess up, um, but. I wanted to give people just a, a North star, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's one thing to mess up. It's another thing to not have a clear vision. Right? Come on. And so I wanted this book to help clarify things for dads that will enhance the, the, the possibilities of them being effective fathers. How did you, how did your dad teach you integrity? Because you talk about it. Uh, and then how have you modeled that for your sons? Yeah, in, in, in integrity is not necessarily like um, like a Sunday night Devo, right? I, I think, yes, you can talk about it. It's something that's more, I know it's trite, but it's true, more caught than taught. Yeah. And dad just, the very fact that he's married to my mother, they just celebrated 49 years of marriage, uh -huh. is a strong testimony of integrity. Um, it, it's little stuff. Like I remember gosh, 11, 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there. Um, I, we stopped by Dairy Queen uh, to get something to eat. He's in the car. I go inside um, and I get my thing to go, get back in the car. And a couple miles down the road, I'm, I'm looking at my change going, oh, this person, isn't this great? The cashier lady gave me too much change back. And immediately dad does a UE. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, integrity says you It was a win. It was a win. Yeah. And, and it's stuff like that. Yeah, uh, that dad really modeled integrity or seeing him consistently every morning in the word on his face before the Lord. That's that kind of stuff is integrity. However, and I'll say this last thing. Integrity is not moral perfection. And I think okay. a lot of people, you know, they think integrity means that, man, I, I just do everything accurate and right. That's not mm -hmm. integrity. Um, even in dad's imperfections, this is what I point out in the book, he was still full of integrity. Like when dad would blow it, he would apologize to us and would say, look, I, I, um, I accuse you of something that you didn't do. I raised my voice. The way I talked to you wasn't very honoring. But what informed his, his apologies was his commitment to the word of God. Yeah. And it's his commitment to the word of God that fueled his actions, which is really integrity. So yeah. you can blow it and still be full of integrity at the same time. Yeah, you're a human, but you have a moral center because of the Word of God. That's and right. Then, and then with your with your own sons, did you have you know you, let's let's stay on the integrity thing? Uh, were there times that you just sat and taught them, or was there more kind of uh, teachable moments, as Kevin Lehman calls it? Yeah, but both, you know, and, and really, really trying to seize teachable moments. But I mean, from the time they were they were little guys, uh, I would give them this um, this thumbnail definition of integrity. Um, I would say integrity is the alignment of words with deeds or to yeah. say it another way. Integrity means I do what I say. And so I just tried to just really impart that into their into their thinking. And yeah, th there were times in which we had to model it. And 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 
one of the biggest payoffs of that is like just the other night, get a call from my, uh, one of my sons is just learning to drive and he's out on his own and he pulls in, uh, I think to wing stop or, or whatever, and just cuts it a little bit too hard and scrapes the car uh, next to him. And he goes inside and uh, he took a picture of the car, goes inside the wing stop where several people are, and he hunts down the person whose car he scraped and he confesses to him. Hey, I want you to know I'm so sorry. And um, wow. man, like what teenager does that? Yeah. And um, those, those things are going, okay, I think some of those lessons that I've tried to model, and again, I've blown it plenty of times, that's the payoff is when you see your kids at least straining towards that. Yeah, it's leaning into that. At least, yeah, that man, that's a great story, man. Yeah. That's a fantastic story. Uh, then relationship, integrity, teaching, experiences. Tell me about experiences. What do you mean by that? And I know you bring it out in the book, but what do you mean by that? Yeah, so, um, you know, by, by no means um, are Corey and I wealthy at all. But if you put us on the global scale, like most Americans, we mm -hmm. are. Uh, you know, we're, we're a middle class family. And one of the things I've latched on to pretty early in my own experience is the natural gravitational pull on our kids is downward into entitlement. Mm. Like if I do nothing proactive, I'm yeah. going to unleash from my house self-absorbed, narcissistic, entitled individuals who feel as if the world revolves around them. I mean, sociologists actually say we're in an age of extended adolescence, and they define adolescence as wanting the privileges of adulthood without the responsibilities. Right. And because of that, they say adolescence has extended to age 35. Yeah. And as a pastor, I see this a lot. Uh, where I, I just see men, you know, in their 20s, 30s, still living at home with mom and dad, no real, you know, sense of drive or ambition about them, playing video games all day, no real sense of get after itness to them. And it's interesting, sociologists say that kind of stuff flourishes in affluent homes. Wow. And this whole happiness ethic to parenting. I, I've got a I've got an Asian friend of mine who said, he said, if there's one word that sums up how many Asians parent and their aspirations for their kids, it's the word successful. We just want our kids to be successful. Then he said, I know I'm painting with a broad stroke, but in America, it seems as if the one word that sums up most parents' aspirations for their kids, it's happy. Yeah. We just want them to be happy. And when you, when you parent with a happiness ethic, Wow. Then, then you're going to coddle and you're, you're going you're gonna to make them narcissistic, entitled individuals. And so what Corey and I said was, we need to give our kids experiences to jolt them out of this false sense of reality they're living in. So when they're 10, we take them to Honduras and we go to Tegucigalpa and we serve orphans. We build homes. We stand on a place called the dump and we, we give away uh, water and food to these individuals. We, we, we would regularly go to the, to the homeless mission when we lived in Memphis and we would serve food to the homeless and do all of these kinds of things. We just needed to give them those ex uh, experiences. We, we value hard work in our kids. And so when our kids turn uh, 16 years old, they have to get they have to get a job. And the, the deal is, look, dad's gonna buy you a car, I'll pick up the insurance, but I won't do that until you have $1,000 in the bank. Mm -hmm. 
because I need to make sure that you can, if anything happens to it, you can fix it. Um, you know, you'll be able to put gas in it the whole nine. So trying to give them experiences to entrench the values we want instilled in them. Well, what you did there was you, you put together a moral contract between you and your son. Yeah. And in which, in which he had, I mean, this, that's not an easy thing to do. And then also, you don't know what's going to happen. And uh, so he's, but he's got a deal. It's a contract. This is, yep. this is what it is. Yep. You're not, you're not there yet. And, uh, you know, the toughest part of parenting on that side of it is keeping that deal. Yes. 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 You're at $924. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yep. But you couldn't do that because if you really want to teach integrity, there has to be integrity always has adversity. That's right. That's right. right. Okay. That's right. So, uh, man, that's, so this is stuff right now. There's some guys writing some things down right now. That's really important. I remember my daughter and, and we had an advertising agency and they were, you know, so they grew up with stuff. I remember her at 15, she got a job at this little chicken place down the road and she's pulling guts out of a chicken in the back. Wow. <laughs> you know, and uh, she came home and told me, I said, well, good for you. You know, and then when you get your, you know, when you get a car, you get something and then, uh, then you know what work is. They've always just worked. But I think you teach them, right? Yep. That's it. That's exactly it. Man, that whole thing about happiness, that is a huge picture right there, Brian. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And look, you know, um, parents don't like to see their kids struggle. No, of course you, you, not. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I remember several years ago, I, I like to read biographies. Yeah. Um, and biographies all follow the, the same kind of general arc. Come from nothing, struggle, 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 and then make it into greatness. And I remember one year going, why, why, why am I not reading by and large biographies on their kids. And I think it's because when these parents struggle, 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 come from nothing and then make it, and make it big, make it into greatness. The first thing they say is my kids will never have to struggle the way that I struggled. Yeah. Not realizing that they're handicapping their kids and keeping them from the very thing that made them great, which is struggle. And that's what Angela Duckworth talks about in her phenomenal book, Grit. Right. Yep. Our kids are lacking grit and resilience because we're coddling them. Yeah, Dan Crenshaw said the same thing in his book, Fortitude, uh, because they haven't, adversity always creates, you know, a stronger center core. And in yeah. uh, helicopter parents, we just come in and we want them happy. Man, that is a perfect thing. I, I mean, it's like even just being cut off of a team. You know, yeah. it's going, going after things like that and, and struggling against adversity. Our children have to have that or they will not be strong. Right. So, uh, and in relationship now, what do you, what was it that you and your wife did for your three sons? Now they're still in their late teens as we talk, but obviously the one, uh, went in and, and did that whole thing with the note, scraped the car. By the way, how bad was it? Was it? It wasn't bad at all. No. It wasn't. And in fact, uh, the people whose car he scraped, they called the cops to file a police report. And the cops came and said, it's nothing. We don't file police reports unless it's over $1,000 worth of damage, and that's far from it. So, Yeah, well, good for him, man. But that must have been a, a, an interesting uh, moment. What do you feel like you and your wife modeled between you that helped them? And what, what have you had to change? 
as they get older? Um, number one, I, I just think um, we've given them uh, a picture of marriage um, and not an Instagram picture of marriage where, you know, they only see the best parts of us. Yeah. You know, they've, they've seen us on great days and not so great days um, to the point where they each aspire to be married. You know, there, there's a lot of people who come from abusive homes or broken homes. Um, you know, the marriage rate has been declining for some years. Uh, and people are giving up on the institution because there was a lot of pain and they just had bad models for it. So the fact that all three of my kids have kind of made the assumption that someday I'm going to get married shows yeah. that that what we've modeled has been compelling enough for them to say, I want to try it. That, that's really an interesting measurement. Yeah. I, I, I've not heard it like that. That's fascinating measurement. And in disciplining, okay, we're talking boys. So disciplining your sons, how has that changed? How did it start and how has that shifted as they got older? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, and when, when they were younger, we would definitely spank. Uh, one of the things that we would, uh, we would do is we would tell them how many licks they would get in advance so that we were not out of control. And usually it was around three. And that was very, very important to us that we just don't fly off the handle or anything. We would explain things to them. Uh, but man, once they turned around eight, nine, 10, we, we didn't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, and once we got to know their personalities, uh, we knew what would really hit them. Um, so for my youngest, he's an off the rails extrovert. So to send him to the room, and say so you just need to stay there is man that just kills them. That just yeah. kills them. Uh, all of them, all of them, um, taking their phone away is huge. Like that is their their outlet to the world. Um, now it's now it's at the point where, you know, um, hey, give me the keys to the car. Wow. Um, you know that's that's huge. And then with with my nineteen year old, um, I don't even take the keys from his car. I, I give him room to make decisions yeah. and then let him live with the outcomes of his decisions. Bam. There it is right there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But it's hard. It's hard. You want to jump in there and you want to, you want to wrestle. And at times you, you want to over communicate something and you just got to stop yourself and go, Hey, I think I've said this before. He knows what he should be doing. And if he doesn't do it, He's just going to live with the consequences of it. Yeah. Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know the Brave Men podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. We have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. And CMN has created a 12-part training course on how to create a successful ministry to men for pastors and leaders. Check it out. Majoringinmen.com which is the solution to men's discipleship. Because of the generous sponsorship of the Christian Men's Network partners, what would normally cost $100 is now free. That's the majoringinmen.com. 
It will help us continue to reach the lives of many men around the world. If you would like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and subscribe to this podcast and share it. That's the Christian Men's Network and Paul Lewis Cole. Now let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Dr. Brian Loritz. You know, it's, it's funny. I've got a friend of mine that it's uh, highly placed in, in New York with a major corporation. He said one of the biggest problems at their HR department is parents of the kids that they're hiring. These are people already graduated from college. Most of them with some sort of master's degree or whatever because of this certain organization that he's at. And they'll get hired in. And if, and if there's an obstacle or a problem or a situation, the parents will call HR. This is a 26-year-old Ivy League graduate. And he said they've had to actually come up with a, uh, what do you call it, protocol. How do you deal with a parent of a 26-year-old who's called complaining? That's about just, that? that's, uh, that's unbelievable. That's just well, unbelievable. But it's, it's, the way the, it's, it's the way the world is. It, you know, it's that whole uh, Peter Pan syndrome, man. It's that kids at 30 who are still, and you know, my contention is 35 year olds, 30, 30, 35 year olds, arrested adolescents. You know, the typical gamer in America, and I'll just talk North America. This is true all over the Western world though, in that sense. Um, well, really the whole world, cause everybody's doing games and video games, but the average gamer is 34 years old. Wow. Because the money that's made off gaming is five times to, to eight times the size of the movie industry. In other words, it's tens of billions of dollars versus $20 billion. Right. So, so what's happened is in order to, because uh, the income is made in the middle of a game, right? I mean, right? When your kids were young, they're going, Dad, can I buy this armor? You go, buy the armor. What do you mean? Well, <laughs> aim, I made the third level. Right, right. This armor, how much is it? Well, it's only eight bucks or whatever. You know, everything's four dollars, three ninety-nine, and it adds up to eighty-seven billion dollars. And in order to keep those thirty-four-year-olds playing video games, my contention, uh, Brian, is that this adolescence, if you will, has been programmed into the advertising, programmed into movies like Hung Hangover, things like that where guys are in their thirties, they're successful, they're making a lot of money, but they're still acting like idiots. They're, they're still kids. And it, to me, there's, there's a, if you will, and we can come back to it's a spiritual battle, right? Right. It's a spiritual battle. And the enemy's trying to keep guys emasculated, immature, because immature men make immature decisions. That's right. And they keep doing their gaming. But then the other thing is, is that the family breaks down. That's right. You know, I mean, if you, if we look at, you talked about uh, police brutality, what is, where does that come from? Right. It doesn't come from maturity and it doesn't right. come from a spiritual understanding of the, of the human dignity of each person. Right. It comes out of an immature, uh, arrested uh, personality that's that's just never grown. Yep. I mean, on, on almost every occasion that I've studied over the last, well, going back, I mean, frankly, going back to uh, Detroit in the 60s, 64, because I'm a, I'm a little older. When you study out all those things, you look at it and you say, okay, this is people who who's who didn't finish developing their character 
personality, whatever you want to, you know, whatever, however you want to measure it. So when you talk about those things, that's why to me, the church, you know, why close down a church if you're in the middle of, of uh, domestic violence spiking, right? Right. Uh, fatherhood, all those particular issues, Brian, that you deal with on a regular basis and you speak into. So how does a dad speak into uh, the issues? You know, let's just talk, you know, about your family. How do you speak to your sons about the issues with police, about how to, how to conduct yourself, comport yourself in particular situations? Well, yeah, that's a standard talk we people of color yep. uh, have with our kids. And so, you know, I tell people all the time, uh, when I gave our kids their first driving lesson, it had nothing to do with here's the gas, here's the brake, uh, here's the turn signal. It's yeah. what to do when you get pulled over where by the cops. Where do, you, where do you put your hands? Yep, yeah, hands visible at all times, no sudden movements. Yes, sir, no, sir. I know you may be angry and frustrated, but you can't show that. Uh, if you have to you know, go to the glove box to get your registration card, you ask for permission first, because we need you to come home safe. Because unfortunately, this idea of implicit bias is just so real. It's just, it's really real. And so they've made assumptions about you and uh, that, that will inform their behavior. And, and l let me just say this. Um, I'm sensitive to the fact that being a police officer is a tough job. And oftentimes they've got to make life and death uh, decisions in a split second. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, you know, we, we just have real, real conversations. And, and my um, my tension as a follower of Jesus Christ, who's an African-American man raising young men of color is is giving them wisdom without instilling bitterness or hatred or suspicion of white people. So I, I want you to be aware, but we're also called to love. Um, that's, that's tough, but no, we have honest, frank conversations all the time about these things. You know, I think that right there, when you talk about relationship, integrity and, uh, teaching and experiences to me, that's it right there is honest. And I, I think you can be honest, understanding your child three or four five and the different levels of honesty if you will like an onion it just begins to become uncovered and the child right. goes, oh, that's why dad is the way he is or that's why he thinks right you know the, the young man uh who's on our team that put this together chris that that contacted you guys and we put this this uh, interview together you know his dad is coming home from preaching preaching wearing a suit and uh, Chris and his brother are sitting in the back seat, mom in the front seat. They get pulled over in San Diego, and they live there. He still gets pulled out of the car and has to put his hands on the car. Mm. Where, where are you coming from, sir? I just got done preaching at a church. It wasn't a pastor. He's a lay pastor, you know. But Wow. So these things, uh, I guess for... Uh, some people, they, they wouldn't understand that. Yep. They think this is where we have to be aware, but we also have to not live in fear. Yep. I mean, you got to live in, if you put your child, if I take my child, my sons, my kids are now my grandchildren, and I basically feed them with stuff off of Fox and CNN on a regular basis, 
they're going to be living in fear of basically everything. Yep. yep. That's where uh, what I appreciate about the Summit Church and about what you do and who you are, and, and you've mentioned it a, a number of times, is it always comes back to the Word. That's right. That's right. Right? That's right. It has to be the foundation and the basis. So what you fill your your sons with is a is a integrity comes out of faith and it comes out of who I am. And That's what right. you're your sons is I'm a Loritz. This is how I act. That's right. This is who I am because this is my faith. This is my relationship with my family, with my dad, with my God, with my grandfather. This is yep. who we are. So that identity, man, that, that whole thing, when you're talking about relationship, what you're really talking about in this book that's so good, the dad difference, is you gave your sons an identity. This is who I am. This is how Loritz acts. And when you talk about the book of Judges and the, and the end of the book of Judges, the problem there, uh, you look at the life of Gideon. Gideon had this amazing start. And we all talk about, hey, you know, be like a Gideon. Be a Gideon generation. The problem is in chapter eight, it says he had 70 sons. Yep. And two verses later, it says when he died, he lost the kingdom. And not one of his sons, Brian, not one of his sons stood up and said, that's not who we are. Yep. And that's not who my dad was. And that's not who a, whatever his last name was. That's not who a Gideon is. Yep. 70 sons and the failure of Gideon's life. And the disaster of the finish of his life is he didn't disciple his sons. Yep. This is not an option, is it? No, not an option at all. At all. So when you wrote this book, the takeaway is here's a way to disciple, because most of us don't know how to do it. Absolutely. Right? Right. I mean, we look at different uh, guys, even guys that are uh, in, the, in culture that we see. Whoever it may be says, yeah, you know, my dad didn't tell me this stuff. My dad didn't show me this stuff. So thank God for someone like yourself taking the experience of life, taking the things that have happened to you, putting together in the dad difference, this book, and saying, uh, men, gentlemen, here's a way to raise your son. Here's an acronym. I like uh, Andy Stanley's uh, picture. He says, you know, your truth has to be uh, portable. Yes. Right? You have to be able to carry it. Yes. And uh, write. You know, it's, of course, you know, uh, it's a good Baptist way of doing it, too. <laughs> you know, of course, if it was Baptist, everything would have started with the letter R. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but right, relationship, integrity, uh, teaching, and experiences. And uh, I think this is a really important book. Thank you for taking because this is books aren't easy. People go, oh, hey, nice book. But man, this is a lot of sweat and pain. Yes, yes. And you've written a number of books, but each one has that. Uh, was it Sam Chand? I think talked about preaching. He says giving blood. Yeah. And uh, and writing the books the same thing. You know what do you what do you feel like, uh, Brian? When you're talking with Brian Loritz, and the book is the Dad Difference. What do you feel is as as you look at your sons now? Here they are, nineteen, seventeen, fifteen. Right as we're speaking. Right. Right. And you look at it, you go, okay, when they were early teens, and of course the first one is your practice one. Right. 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 Then there's the one that you think gets it. Then there's the last one you go, oh, well, whatever he gets is fine. That's the grandchild. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. And uh, 
What is it that as you, uh, you know, as you look at this and experiences, what is it you feel like, man, this, this was something that worked and then this is something that didn't work. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, I, the more I've gotten into the, into the parenting journey, the more patient I've become, you know, um, you know, the, the stuff that, um, I would have flew off the handle with, uh, when my oldest was seven, eight, nine years old. Uh, it's not that I've become passive. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've, I've realized that in the scheme of things, yeah, it's not as big or urgent of a deal as you're making it. Um, and to try to be more patient. Um, and, you know, the, the, the thing I point out in the book is, even though it's an acronym, I like the fact that it begins with relationship. Yeah. And I, I just think that's, that's all effective leadership begins with relationship. Yes. And wanting to... Uh, wanting to know how God has uniquely wired each of my sons and to be tethered to them and to speak their love language, speak it often, speak it well. You know, my, my sons and I, we've been going to the driving range lately um, and just spending, spending time. And I think the equation for a rebellious child is rules without relationship mm. equals rebellion. When I'm loud on behavior and very soft on relationship, um, that's going to communicate a performance-driven ethic yeah. to our, you know, to our relationship, which will either lead to despair, you know, where they just kind of, you know, what, what's the use in trying? And and that's that's the younger brother in the story of uh, Luke 15, the prodigal son, yeah. or it's just a self-righteous individual. Um, who's just absolutely heartless, but who bases their identity on keeping rules and neither is what you want. Yeah. You know, but I think when there's the emphasis on relationship and of course there's a place for rules. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, oh, one of the mantra, one of the mantras in our house right now is, you know, my two oldest, um, they, they keep saying, well, well, you know, I'm an adult, I'm an adult. And I'm going, if you're going to be grown, let's be all the way grown. <laughs> right. So you, you need to help with the mortgage. You need to, again, they don't want to be all the way grown. Right. <laughs> so, but anyways, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Be all the way grown. Yep. Yeah. It's like, uh, they were asking, uh, they were, asking, it just reminds me of, uh, they were asking, uh, Dak Prescott about, uh, Zeke Elliott or no, they were asking Zeke Elliott about Dak Prescott. And he said, you know, what do you think he's going to do? And, and, um, uh, you know, were you surprised at how strong he was at the end of last season and all that? And Zeke says, uh, I'm not surprised at anything that man does. He's a grown-ass man. <laughs> He's, I thought, man, I've never heard a better description of what it is to be a man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What Zeke said about Dak is like, you know what? That's what you, that's what you want your boys to be right there. That's right. That's what that's you right. want your sons to be. And one of the things we say in Christian Men's Network is where there's less love, there's always more law. Yep. But where That's there's it. more love, there's less law. Yep. And and uh, and show me an undisciplined child, and I'll show you a child who's not loved. So true discipline always comes from love. You talked about it right at the start. Don't do it out of anger. Yep. Don't do it be out of a reaction. 
I see too many times, Brian, where parents or, or dads are, uh, you know, getting on their kids because they're frankly embarrassed because they're at the driving range, let's say, or playing baseball or something, and their kid's having a tantrum over not being able to hit the pitch or something. So he corrects them right there in front of everybody out of his own embarrassment, not out of helping that young man become, you know, a better person. Now, I love the thing you said about uh, finding the, uh, you didn't say the bent, what was it, finding, finding what each, the, the nature of each one's, who they are. Yep. And then tying yourself into that. Yep. Rather than trying to make them like you or make them like a certain thing, find out the bent of their life. That's right. Shepherding them towards that. This is great stuff. I want to uh, mention again the dad difference. Uh, and uh, Dr. Uh, Brian Loritz and uh, your family. It's great. And BrianLoritz.com. Uh, we can get the book on Amazon. Is that right? That's right. That's right. And you've got other books. People should yes. read them. Uh, you had you had a story. Wait a minute. It was on Instagram because uh, I was looking at your Instagram a couple days ago, and it was uh, a group out in San Luis Obispo was reading one of your books. Yes. Yep. Yep. What book was that? Insider Outsider. Insider Outsider. Yep. And it was a, a group of guys out in San Luis Obispo. That's Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Isn't that Cal Poly? Isn't Cal Poly right out there? Somewhere? Absolutely. Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. Yeah, that's it. And so, uh, and this group had you come in and speak by Zoom. That's right. Is that right? Yeah. That's fantastic. I love the stuff that's happening right now. I thank God for Summit Church, where you're a teaching pastor, for you and what you're doing, Brian, for your family. I, I, I get so fired up when I see a dad who's invested in his sons, because I think somewhere there's a dad who's got daughters or, so, or a bunch of dads with three girls that are just praying, oh, God. I mean, I've got friends of mine. They call, I've had guys call me say, pray for my daughters because there's no guys to marry. You know, and I just thank God for a dad like yourself with these, with these sons that are um, changing the future of the world actually changing the future of the world. So I thank God for you, Brian, and your ministry and what you do and the kinos and everything else you've put your hands to. I mean, we can go through the internet and find you all over the place. And uh, I think 80% of it's good, right? Oh, Something yeah. Like that. Yeah, 80% is yeah. good. <laughs> and, well, Paul, uh, thanks thanks for having me on the show, man. I, uh, I definitely uh, enjoyed my time with you, so. Yeah, that's great. So we pray that every place you put your feet is holy ground. And everything your hands touch will prosper. And the Lord will give you great voice and great platform to speak into fathers and dads around the world. And we pray for your own family to be deep, held deeply within the grip of his favor and grace. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Paul, this is June, and this is Father's Day month. Um, what is father principles that you could give us to make us better men, better dads, better fathers? Uh, principles? Well, yeah. first of all, you have to read Brian's book, right? <laughs> well, and yeah, then that's you got to read start. my book. Yes. Okay. So, and, and I don't know if I mentioned that he's a teaching pastor at the Summit Church. I think we mentioned that yeah. in Raleigh when we talked about it. But, you know, when you talk about principles, the thing that I, I love about uh, Dr. Loritz and what we just talked about is he, is he honored his dad. Yeah. Okay. So that's, uh, that is the fifth commandment. It's the first one with promise. Honor. 
right? Mm -hmm. I think it's something that we have a tendency, and I'll give you an example. I have a friend of mine whose father does not live for Christ, or particularly was not for a long time until recently. Mm -hmm. But he and I got together a few years ago, and we were talking about a new house he was building. In fact, we were walking the property, and he's building a new house, a beautiful place. And I said, well, you'll probably have your dad, you know, it'd be a cool thing to have your dad pray a dedication over this. He goes, I don't know if my dad can do a prayer without an F-bomb in it. Wow. And I said, well, generationally, you know, when you look at legacy, to have your dad pray over this could be, you know, something that's really a blessing from God, you know, and bring a type of legacy stamp on it and a bless the blessing of the father. He said, yeah. I said, well, I said, go study the blessing of a father and see what comes out of that. Wow. Studied it. Called his dad, flew his dad in. Flew his dad and his dad's girlfriend in, okay? Had the, and told his dad, I want you to pray over the house and dedicate the house. The house had been built, so now it's done. And they're kind of having a party, is it? And he stopped everything. So, okay, I want my dad to pray a blessing over this place. He had already told his dad. Well, his dad gets emotional. Mm. His dad didn't swear, which was like a blessing, you know, in front of his kids and everything. His dad prayed over the house. It wasn't eloquent. It it wasn't, but it was what his dad knew, and his dad prayed blessing. Okay, wow. watch this. So that so marked his dad. He that when when they dropped him off at the airport, my friend told me, his dad turned to him. And he said, "I." I, you know, they were there for a week. Okay, I stayed at a hotel or whatever. He said, I can't believe this happened. He said, I just want you to know something. I love you and I'm proud of you. He hadn't told his son that. In fact, my friend said, I don't know that my dad had ever, ever told me that. Wow. Ever. Maybe when I was a kid, he said, but he said in my, in my older, like teen years and playing sports and all this sort of stuff, he said, I kind of, I can't, I can't remember him ever saying, I was proud of you. I remember him saying sometimes, I love you. He said, but it was so seldom. It kind of was almost a throwaway line. He said, but he hugged me. And um, I went and saw him about a year later. My friend's telling me this. I went and saw him about a year later. And uh, we sat down and just started talking. I had a drink together and started talking. And he said, uh, my friend said to his dad, dad, you know, when you said you were proud of me at the airport a year ago, and you said you loved me, I don't know that you ever said that together in one sentence, or even have ever said that to me. And his dad said to him, well, I've always been proud of you. Wow. He said, I guess I just never said it because I wanted you to be rugged and strong and be on your own, that kind of stuff. And he said, it doesn't come easy to me. Well, that conversation, okay, this is a couple, about two years ago, that conversation, a year later, after he honored his father by having him pray for that, in that conversation, he led his dad to Christ. Wow. Dude, I'm telling you, there are principles of the kingdom that are alive and real. And when we talk about, when Dr. Loritz talks about some of the things he talked about in this book, The Dad Difference, these are not just, hey, this would be a nice thing. When we talk about righteousness and integrity and, the, and a dad sharing experiences with us, son and you know r-i-t-e right yes the right thing when we talk about things i i don't believe chris that this was just oh these are nice suggestions i think these have real impact yeah. and they have real 
deep consequences. Mm. Because words have power yeah. and ideas have consequences. And when a man puts into his son or his daughter ideas, the framing of their mindset that comes out of his words and, and the way he, uh, the child watches his dad live his life, it makes all the difference. And so this, this podcast, you know, I know that, that uh, Dr. Loritz, you know, he tried to kind of dial it back a little in a sense. Hey, you know, do these things, your kids are going to be perfect. We don't want to say that. But the fact is, if you don't do them, in a sense, it's kind of like, it's kind of like in, in basketball, you're a baller, mm -hmm. right? So in basketball, uh, the shots that you don't take will always be the ones you miss. Yes. Isn't that right? Yes. How do you say it? Is that the way you say it? That's the way you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. The shots that you, yeah, you have to take shots. So you got to take the shot. Yeah. It's like yeah. when you make a game-winning shot, you, you, the people are celebrating the fact that you made it in that moment, but you know how many of those you missed yeah. on your own, Yeah. you know? Yeah, so I think the thing is with, with Dr. Loritz right now is that you take the shot. Yeah. Because the, the shot you know you'll miss 100% of the time is the one you don't take. That's yes. it. Yeah. The shot you know for sure that you'll miss is the one you don't take. Yeah. So you take the shot. You pour the gospel. You pour the kingdom. You pour life. You pour speaking life over your kids into your children. And, and then you go, here, Lord, here's this. Here's this child. And that guy can make some wrong decisions. And, and we all have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But the fact is, if you haven't put this into them, they have no moral compass to which to back fall, uh, fall back on yeah. when they hit tough times. So, uh, hey, uh, Christian Men's Network, tools to grow strong men. Strong men make strong families. Strong families make strong churches. And we believe the church is the hope of the world in Christ, for Christ. And so we are, we are Christ-centered and church-centric. CMN.men. So, yes. yeah. So I did. You asked one question, didn't you? Yeah. I gave you like a six minute answer. No, but that was perfect. But it's good stuff, man. Yeah. I come back to uh, Brian and the stuff he talked about Tailwind Dad, Headwind Dad. You know, you can hold your kids back. And part of it is by not sharing your experiences in your life and letting them watch your life in reality and living it in front of them. So good stuff. Great to be on Brave Men again today. Remember CMN.man, tools, resources. We've got the Global Summit coming up yes. November 4, 5, 6, which is going to be fantastic. Yes. Javon Ruff is going to be there. A number of other great friends. Yes. And uh, so looking forward to that. So uh, thanks for being with us today on Brave Men. Remember Psalm 131, hope now, hope always. Amen. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.